you want to take a sip before you go? I'm hydrated. Are you? I'm always hydrated. I'm always hydrated. Well, that's, that's not you dehydrate me. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to the Stadio Podcast in Ringer SC. I'm Misa Kwonga. I'm Ryan Han. Ryan, how are you doing? I'm um, okay, thanks, man. How are you? Very good, very good. Hoodied up, wear my Kano hoodie. Hoodied up. My man disres- all winter. disrespected again, didn't get his Mercury Music Prize. Oh, oh shit. For hoodies all summer. Uh, man, I feel like I've seen you so much this week, but I realised just now that I actually haven't seen you for like a fortnight. That's weird. No, no, no. That's, I saw, no, saw, saw you on Sunday birthday. for your birthday. Yeah, but they, they all blur into one another. They all blur into one another, don't they? Like, was it real? Was it good? Was it real? Was it real? I think, it I think. Dream? <laughs> hey, it's always a dream working with you, mate. Oh, yes. What do you want? <laughs> Stop it. Stop it. Hey, that's my line. There we go. There we go. Throwing the haymakers. I hope everyone's doing all right. Yep, Staying yep, safe and yep. well. Lockdown measures coming back in. So, yeah. hey, you never know. We might have to dust off the old... Uh, hypotheticals. The ancient Stadio hypothetical script. Oh my goodness. <laughs> have to go into that massive tree and go and find it. Yeah, when football inevitably gets shut down. Oh Lord. Because I think it's going to happen, right? Champions League's back next week and you've seen the, how positive cases are happening when people are travelling for international duty and stuff like that. So it's going to happen with the Champions League. Yeah. So, yeah man, might have to dust down our hypotheticals, which is a good one because we're doing a hypothetical today. Well, not hypothetical, but a conceptual show. We'll touch on that in a little bit. But before we do, a little update about Project Big Picture. So first of all, thanks to everyone who got in touch about the, the small bonus podcast we did on Wednesday, wait, went up Wednesday morning. Yeah. Really appreciate it. Um, not long after we dropped that, actually, the Premier League announced that they will not be pursuing the plan as proposed in the leaks. However, there are talks ongoing to do a bailout for the Football League. But also in true Premier League style, they didn't let all of the bad shit go. And we didn't actually mention it, but the pay-per-view stuff coming in for games that aren't shown on broadcasters is, yeah, again, I mean, we don't need to go into it because we, we said everything we did the other day, but potentially charging £15 per game that isn't shown on BT Sport or Sky. During a pandemic where there's a record number of unemployment and a huge recession and they want to charge £15 per game for a pay-per-view, which again is just like, guys, read the room. Read, read the fucking room. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. Unbelievable. There'll definitely be more news on that and we'll cover it as and when it happens. But yeah. some admin before we get going. Don't forget, Stadio theme music is for sale. Stadio.bandcamp.com. It's minimum three euros. You can pay what you like. And we're donating all the money. The info about the organisations we're donating to is on the Bandcamp page. Stadio Outros playlist. Every tune we play out on is in our Spotify playlist. If you search for Stadio Outros on Spotify. Also, Friday evening, 8pm Berlin time, which is 7pm London time, which is 2pm New York time, which is 11am LA time, and a number of other time zones that we tweeted. We're doing a Stadio Sessions, the first one in a couple of months. There's no theme. It's a free-for-all music-wise. Two hours of music and football commentary. We actually posted a tweet, if you go to at Stadio. We kind of want people to get involved a little bit here. Well, it's twofold. One, I think I've maxed my... You know when you're just cold searching for football commentary and you're like, yeah. ooh, that goal, that goal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I've reached my limit. So I was like, well, actually... Everyone's got their favorite bit of commentary and there'll blatantly be some stuff that we haven't even heard or definitely couldn't think of straight off the straight off the dome. So we posted a tweet asking for people to just link to a YouTube clip of their favorite bit of commentary and then we'll shout them all out on the stream when we do it. It's um, going to be streamed live at mixlr.com forward slash stadio. There's a chat room there as well. It's really fun. Usually a load of people in the chat room. Yeah, from all over the world. It's always Yeah, really from cool. all over the world. It's really fun. Yeah, so come and join us if you can. And finally, save the best for last. Moose's new piece on the ringer. Oh yeah, yeah, it's up. Disrespect. It? <laughs> <laughs> it's about disrespect. Put some respect on my name. Absolutely. It's a really good piece, man. And oh, yeah, go, go to the ringer.com forward slash soccer to go read it. 
and it's kind of framed the show that we're doing today. Yeah, it kind of has, hasn't it, I guess? Yeah, because we were talking about this a while ago about the disrespect of the Eleven. Yeah. And we were like, oh yeah, we'll do that. That sounds really good. And then you did the piece about the disrespect. So we thought, well, yeah, let's do it for this Thursday. And I think, apart from the what ifs, this is the first kind of conceptual thing we've done since we joined The Ringer. Yeah, yeah. For those who weren't aware of our work before we joined The Ringer, when lockdown happened and football stopped, we did a load of conceptual episodes. It actually started with the what if. Yeah. And then we did stuff like the ultimate supervillain 11. And then the following week, we did the ultimate superhero 11. And then we also did an all-star game where we made a draft of 50 players men and women's, and made two mixed all-star teams. Both sides had six men, five women. Yeah. So we had Team Musa, Team Ryan. And I chose a monster. You chose this beautiful team. I chose this monstrous lineup. Oh, yours was just like pure shithouse. And everyone, to shit everyone's horror. Royalty. To everyone's like, horror. <laughs> but yours. Uh, yeah, we also put that to a vote. Team Ryan won. By a huge mouth, like 70, <laughs> like 70, 30. I got a lot of cousins. Yeah, that was a, no, that, that team you picked was incredible. Was the midfield I had... De Jong is a holding midfielder with Rose Lavelle and Kevin De Bruyne as eight. That team was incredible. What else did we do? Oh, we did two episodes on The Wire. So footballers as Wire characters. Yeah. Which was a good excuse for us both to do a rewatch of The Wire. What else did we do? Oh, The Nemesis. That was a good one. That was great fun. That was really good fun. Shout out to Hashim for that. That was a great suggestion. Can't remember what else we did, but there were, there were loads. Oh, we yeah. did a whole episode about the number nine, didn't we? That's right. We did one on Passing too. Yeah. They were a lot of fun. This was yeah. Oh, hurry up and go away football so we could do these fun ones again. Uh, 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 talking about absolute nonsense like Harry Maguire getting sent off or England in, England in chaos. The one funny thing about the Harry Maguire thing, you know that old footballing joke about your second touch being a sliding tackle? Oh. He literally... Do you know what? He looked like he walked off saying, oh, bloody hell. Like, not another thing. Do you know sometimes when you see players walk off and they know that social media is coming for them? Mm-hmm. And this was a thing that like actually Rio Ferdinand said it, didn't he? He said like defenders think about social media. Oh, bad, it actually bad. affects it actually affects like what moves they make because they're thinking about it. Like it's at some level second guessing. Uh, should we get into uh, we haven't even really introduced the concept for this episode, but we'll do it after. We'll do yep. it after the break. Yep, yep. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. All right, man. So the concept for today's show is the disrespected 11. Yep. This is hard. People tapping those emails being like, you forgot about this person. So a few rules. We decided to do a disrespected 11 and it kind of came about through a few things. I think we were talking about Olivier Giroud, right? Yep, yep. I mean, like, oh yeah, he'd play up front in the disrespected 11. So, to clarify, it's a men's team. Yep. I'm not comfortable enough in our historical knowledge of women's football to go back in time. And to be honest, you could just put the entire women's game in there. Yeah, exactly. disrespected. You could, you <laughs> so, could, you could, yeah. So we're going to do a men's team. If we can think of enough people, we'll do subs. Yep. Maybe a manager as well, huh? Yes. Ooh, Ooh, that's go. Yeah. So we were just going to shoot the shit a bit about disrespected players through history. Just to clarify, we are obviously going to forget some people because we didn't realise, th- at the time we thought this was going to be a great concept and then halfway through it, I think I texted you being like, are you, um, are you struggling? 
And you were like, yeah, this is hard, but this is actually really hard. Because because I think there's a really fine line between underrated and disrespected. Underrated Mm. doesn't necessarily mean disrespected, and disrespected doesn't necessarily mean underrated. So if you hear anything in this and you're like, what the hell are these guys talking about? Be nice, but drop us an email, stadiofootballgmail.com, and Mm. give us your take on it, because I'm actually really interested to see what people's take on a disrespected player is. Absolutely. If you're not being nice, send it to at Ryan Hun on Twitter. You can find what him there. What are you talking about? <laughs> Let me live. <laughs> yeah, don't send me anything, please. Just send it to stadiofootwork.gmail.com. That's right. So what we're going to do, we're going to do a disrespected 11. Um, we're going to yeah. pick players for each position mm-hmm. who over time, modern history, recent history, you know, ancient history, have been disrespected. Yep. Let um, me get a pad so I can write our 11 down. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. So just quickly before we go, I think a lot of my choices are fairly modern. Okay. I think a lot of it is due to me being aware of the disrespect that has been shown to them by media and fans and stuff that I've observed. So there are a few more historical ones in there, but a lot of these are fairly I went, modern. Oh, that's good because I went quite old. All right, good. Well, you, I mean, you are. <laughs> I am old. Oh, wow. Okay. okay. Do you know, okay. Do you know what? Do you know, do you know what, actually? I'll let that slide. I'll, no, you there's, won't. There's an amnesty. Yes, I will. There's an amnesty. What, like amnesty. Harry Maguire? Because I'm gracious. Wow. Hey. Wow. Listen, people are firing. Fired. People are firing shots. People are firing shots. Ryan Gunn. <laughs> Ryan Gunn. <laughs> A new alias. How many have you got now? You got Rydiola. You got Ryan Gunn. You got oh, Rilo Wren. Yep. See, you're the supervillain on this podcast. That's the thing. Uh, no, yeah. no, 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 jealous. Wow. Wow. You know, you are the supervillain. Mr. Kwanga is just going to tweet, I want my damn respect at Ryan Hunt. I want, I want damn respect. <laughs> well, I won't get it. So what's the point in tweeting? <laughs> <laughs> so like, <laughs> okay, listen, <laughs> goalkeeper. <laughs> <laughs> this is already the most disrespectful podcast. No, why are we being so mean to each other? Sorry, man. Because it's co- it's context. It's in context. Is so that you're just trying to get in the zone? You're going full Daniel Day-Lewis on <laughs> it. It's like method, method podcast. <laughs> 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 oh, we're still getting fired. We're getting, we're getting, oh my God. Wow. Yeah. This is, wow, okay. Uh, like, communicado official on Friday. <laughs> okay. The ring of parted ways with Stadio. Exactly. Mutual consent. Mutual hey, consent. Mutual about this. You're going <laughs> to, you have to drag me kicking and screaming out of my imaginary office. I love how when it's mutual consent, you know, it's never mutual. I'm just going to be like, the, the ringer is going to be the cat across the table and I'm going to be the angry screaming What's woman it? and you're just going to be pulling me away, being like, leave it right, leave it right. Stand oh. a, a conscious uncoupling with the ringer. <laughs> okay, so, anyway, right. let's get this back on track. We've not even okay. begun yet. We have no names and we're already derailed. Moesir Barbosa. Yes. 1950 World Cup final, Uruguay lose to Brazil. Brazil just had to draw it in the World Cup because it's done in a group system. And... Um, he basically paid for that for the rest of his life. And it's really horrifying. Like he wasn't even allowed in the training ground because mm-hmm. it would bring bad luck. He let in the goal. I think he was beaten at his near post, uh, but it wasn't, you know, it was just a great strike. Um, but yeah, he paid for the rest of his life and was never forgiven, died, broke. And it was heartbreaking because until that point was one of the best goalkeepers in South America, one of the best in the world. Mm-hmm. And you know, one, one, of course, one defeat doesn't make you a bad keeper. And nice. the, sub, the subtext of this actually was also partly racial because mm-hmm. he was one of the few, you know, dark-skinned players, dark-skinned players, and recognizably black players in the team. And basically the bulk of the hate fell on him and two other colleagues. So yeah, it was really, really sad for him. So even when Brazil won, was not really forgiven. Um, and at one point he actually set fire to the posts in the Maracanã and then made himself a stake on the fire, on the bonfire. So yeah, like it's really sad and it's kind of, I think, it, I think his story is a really cautionary tale round on how we take football too seriously as a, as a society. We use yeah. it for, t- it just, look, this is a country that had a military dictatorship at the same kind of time that Barbosa was being tarred and feathered. Yep. And I think it says something quite, grim and sinister about the human need to find safe scapegoats. You know what I mean? To find easy targets because it's scared of dealing with the big structural stuff. 
Mm-hmm. And I think Barbosa's treatment speaks to that, that tendency in human society to fasten upon a simple underdog, marginalized character and just go at him. And, and I would encourage people to, when I heard we're doing the Disrespected podcast, I really wanted to talk about Barbosa because I know we're starting yeah. on a slightly somber note. But I think his story is, is a devastating story and a really important warning tale. So in among all the jokes, I want people to consider that these players are human, right? And he deserved better. And it's devastating he didn't get his respect when he was alive. This was at a time massively before social media. Yeah. And the level of intense me- media scrutiny that are on players today. Yeah. And it was so bad. I mean, bear in mind the context that it came in five years after the end of the Second World War. And it was seen as, I remember it was a quote from um, Nelson Rodriguez, who said, this was our catastrophe, our Hiroshima. Comparing one goalkeeper letting in a goal in a final to Hiroshima, that's how much it stunned the country. And I think at the time it was the, I think it is wasn't it the record, the all-time attendance record? It happened in the all-time attendance record for a football match, 250,000 yeah. in the Maracanã. Yeah. Which I think added to the act, if you know what I mean. Everyone saw it. Brazil didn't have another black goalkeeper for 50 years. Until Dida. Until yeah. Dida. Yeah. Horrifying. It left, I think, a deeply racially motivated scar amongst It's weird because it exacerbated what was there. I mean, people don't understand fully what Pele, you know, Pele was, you know, you had Dida. Mm-hmm. Dida, one of the outstanding, you know, kind of the, the architect of the 62 World Cup victory. People don't look at the racial context as much as they maybe should. And Barbosa, I think, caught a lot of heat. Yeah. Partly because of that. Um, yep. So yeah, it, it just a devastating. I think this is the danger what happens when you put too much national identity in one vessel, whatever yeah, the dangerous. vessel happens to be. Yeah. Especially one as unpredictable as football. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. put it in something like, you know, engineering where you can have a tangible, you know, outcome yeah, um, yeah it yeah. was actually really interesting that it was Dida who basically I think became the, the most high profile player at the time to call for the forgiveness basically so not even forgiveness but I think he was saying that like well yeah I mean he literally just asked the country to forgive Barbosa God it's heartbreaking actually yeah I had a few more comical mentions <laughs> go for a goalkeeper there are loads for goalkeeper, aren't there? There's loads. <laughs> My first one is only 23 years old and it's Unai Simon. Oh, really? Already? Yeah. How Unai Simon is still uncapped for Spain after the last two years, yeah, fair I have enough. no idea. No, fair enough, fair enough. I have I'll, no I'll, idea I'll how Unai Simon is yet to win a cap for Spain. Been in many squads, but with the form of Kepa and the form of David De Gea over the last two seasons, cannot believe that Unai Simon has yet to win an international cap for Spain. No, that's fair. That's very fair. If we're getting into this, then Sebastiano Rossi, AC Milan. Yep. Not playing a single game. The guy was there behind, you know, one of the greatest teams of all time. The only team, I think it's the only team that I think would have gone head to head with Pep's Barca. That AC Milan team, that is the only team I could imagine in a simulation best of five actually maybe coming out on top against Pep Sparta. It's that good. And Rossi was right there um, and never got a cap. Never capped. Never capped for Italy. That to me is wild. Like I had Victor Valdez as disrespected just because he was a sweeper keeper who didn't get the full props for his goalkeeping ability. But I think Mm -hmm. Sebastiano Rossi goes above and beyond that because he was extraordinary. Sebastiano Rossi is my, if there's a keeper sub, he's my keeper sub. The, the, the other person I put in there for a slightly different reason is Ika Casillas. I actually think Ika Casillas is quite disrespected on the whole. That's interesting. He was so disrespected by Jose Mourinho. Yes, yes. I mean, we've said this before. I think Ramos broke Mourinho, but I think Mourinho broke Casillas. Yes, and that's right. There's something that kind of really breaks my heart when you have a singular individual that ruins something beautiful, either a moment, a team, or an individual. Like something that was outside of their control. And yeah, Casillas had some dips in form, for example, but I think it's really easy. It's very easy to forget genuinely how great Ica Casillas was as a goalkeeper and what his status was at Real Madrid at the time when that happened. So those were my three for very different reasons, but I'd like to go with Barbosa, I think. Okay. Well, those, well, that's a solid start. Do you know what? I'd like to put Rossi on the bench. 
Yeah, I would, I'd like to as well, actually, if you don't mind. I'd like yeah. to. So we've got two Okwanga picks in there. <laughs> well, it's, it's a collective effort. Where do you want to go? Left back? Yeah. All right, let's go left back. Okay, my left back choice, most suspected, Paolo Montero. Oh, that's a nice shout. Yeah, because that man, put respect on that man's name, unbelievable left back, like extraordinary player and just doesn't get the mentions he should. Mm-hmm. I mean, got got a lot of cards, I mean, but but what a play and just locked down an entire flank for, he almost distorted that flank. Like you, you could get to the point where thinking, oh, actually it was a defensive league or maybe it was just Montero. <laughs> you know, he was that, that good. And has a minimal presence. Maybe it's partly because he has a minimal presence on likes of social media. He's not out and about much, doesn't say much, but Montero was the guy mm. for a long time. So yeah, he's my left back. He just stood out to me. I don't know if you'd say he was underrated at the time. Actually, maybe even slightly at the time, I think. You think? So, certainly more so now. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. I think because he was seen as part of a unit rather than in his own right, because that Juventus defensive line was just brutal. Um. But yeah, Paolo Montero is my, my choice. That's a nice shout, actually. I just you know what I've noticed. There are a lot of people that we're mentioning in here and a lot of people I mentioned who have had links or played for Penarol. Oh, well, listen. So as does a that mean Penarol are going to be the most disrespected club in the world? As a disrespected, as a country that thrives, as a footballing nation that thrives with disrespect. To Uruguay. You know, Uruguay is like, Uruguay is that mm. guy in the bar who's like, he said something about me. No, he's not. He's not that mate, that mate who's like, that guy said something about me. No, no, Uruguay, he didn't. Or you, oh no, he definitely he gave me the Uruguay is just looking for it. It's it's feeding off constant what you're looking at energy. Do you know what? If Uruguay was a basketball player, it'd be Michael Jordan. Oof. In terms of an energy, it became personal to me. <laughs> I've also noticed that a lot of my picks have played for Arsenal. <laughs> I don't know what that's trying to trying to tell you. Do Penrill have nice shirts at the moment? I want to get a Penrill shirt now. Maybe. I mean, any South American shirt is usually pretty good. It's going. All right. I have a choice for left back, which is. Ashley Cole. Oh, that's amazing. I don't think Ashley Cole gets the respect that he deserves. I think Ryan, he's, that's an amazing shout. And I think he's England's greatest ever left back. Is it close though? No. I think a lot of it is to do with his kind of personality in the media, the thing with Cheryl, the kind of doing the hello photos for the wedding. For those who don't know, Hello Magazine is kind of like a, a gossipy magazine and they'll yeah. often do like you know, at home with Jamie and Rebecca Vardy and all this, this kind of stuff. And the leaving Arsenal for Chelsea thing. I also think that people, I mean, this is a conversation we've had numerous times, but I just don't think people give him enough props for his intelligence as a footballer. Um, and actually, on the field, was really hard to pinpoint any faults. Just consistently brilliant. The world's best left back for probably 10 years, arguably. He was, he was in that conversation. In the he was conversation. in that conversation for yeah. ten years. Like he was a top three yeah. left back in the world for ten years straight. Yeah, and I don't think he's ever actually going to get in the conversation for being an all-time great, Ashley Cole. In ten years' time, when people start talking about all-time greats, I don't think a lot of people would mention Ashley Cole. And it's unbelievable because he was utterly fearless. Yep. Champions League delivered for Chelsea in Bayern's own ground. Passed every footballing test in front of him. Yeah, every single one. And comfortably. Like, yep. there's only one, the, the one game when Ronaldo beats him with yep. that step over and Ronaldo never troubled him after that. No. Never. He got that one look at him and then in 2004, that famous game when they played Portugal, he just shut him down. He shut yep. him down. Like It was like very akin to, you know, how like LeBron was saying, we've got a good look at them. Yeah. Ashley Cole was a real, almost like, playoff basketball style footballer I think yes you might get the better of him once but once he got a look at you you were done he was I love that shout so much Ashley Cole never had a redemption arc like David Beckham Mm. and Gary Neville actually said this Gary Neville said it was weird because you saw you know they would pile on Wayne Rooney when he criticised him but he never quite became a superhero like he became a hero but he was like people at Ashley Cole he said they never really became heroes no and he was like and Neville's basically like, that was racial. And I think there's a big part to that. Like, and isn't, isn't it interesting how Barbosa and Ashley Cole? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think a number of the players that we'll pick in this side will have a large part of the disrespect towards them will be racial, I think. Yeah, and that's a good point. Racial or regional? Because yeah, yeah, sometimes yeah. the areas you're from, you don't get the respect as a country. Yeah, 100%. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so where do you want to go with for that one? Um, we'll go centre-back now. Yep. I mean, who are we, who are we putting in there? 
Yeah, just before we check, so we haven't got formation yet. Oh yeah, should we do four three three? Four three three, yeah, yeah. Why yeah, not four three three? Okay. Top um, football. Well, we need to put. We need to decide who we're putting in the left back. Uh, Ashley Cole, centre back. You know, what I'm going to throw in. I'm going to throw a bit of a wild card in. I'm going to put you in there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jose Luis Brown. Ooh, hello. Do you know I'm doing that? Oh, Maradona had no help in '86, and I'm like, hang on a minute. If I'm Jose Luis Brown, I score the opening goal in that final. Mm-hmm. I shut down that West Germany attack and I dislocate my shoulder and don't come off. <laughs> and then for the last years of my life, I've got to hear people going, Maradona had no help. And I'm like, wait a minute, just because I didn't really play that much outside Argentina, you're disrespecting me? Like, that's wild. And I'm, I, that 86 team I had to put in, I was like, it has to be Brown I put in for that team because I'm like, respect on this man's name. Like, footballers, no matter how good they are, do not win international tournaments by themselves, they have some pretty hardcore backup. You know, Messi, oh, Messi drags Argentina to the World Cup final. Hey, there's a dude called Mascarano there for starters. Di Maria stood tall. Like if Di Maria wasn't injured. In that final. They win that, they win that tournament. If Iguain, bless him, gets a bit luckier, it's a different story. So it's just like, respect on Brown's name, respect on the 86. You know, that, that was a really good team who had the misfortune not to play that much outside Argentina. Well, not the misfortune, but in terms of legacy. Mm. So yeah, I put Brown in there. That's my nomination for one of them. Okay, so I've got an actually, a bit of a heavy one. Well, there's two I've okay. got for centre-back, but maybe I'll do the heavy one first, is Andres Escobar. Yeah, no fair. No respect to that. And very much a similar vein to Barbosa. Yeah. Andres Escobar was it's a little bit bleak, but it was the ultimate disrespect. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. You're right. And also it happened to someone who was really trying to portray, for those who don't know, who don't know the story, so he was the guy who scored the own goal against the USA in 94. Instead of staying in the US and visiting family, I think he went back to Colombia after the tournament and he was rumoured to be signing for AC Milan. And in his car, outside a bar, murdered five days after scoring that own goal. It was done by a crew who were linked to a massive drug lord who was rumoured to have lost a load of money on the game because of Andres Escobar's own goal. And I think that, again, m- much like Barbosa, it, that overshadowed their brilliance. Mm, yeah. And whereas yep. Barbosa lived out the rest of his life and didn't receive the respect until late, much, much later on in his life, how the Escobar story ends, I just think, is, is really bleak. There was a couple of things that I read about it that was saying, had Pablo Escobar still been alive, they don't think anyone would have touched Andres Escobar. Because Pablo Escobar was so pro the national team in terms of football. That's interesting. I just think it's super sad. And yeah, obviously taking the piss out of someone in a disrespectful way is far different to literally murdering them. But I just thought that like, you can't really think of a a bigger level of disrespect scoring an own goal and you get murdered five days later. Yeah. And it speaks again to the kind of that common thread of putting too much in football, but also, I mean, that's a different, that's a side from passion, that's money. And I think sometimes we forget the financial pressures that football is responsible for, in some cases, livelihoods. We've Mm. seen that, but also just like market confidence, Mm. you know, even if it's the black market in this case, you know, the betting market. So it's, um, I think that's a great nomination in terms of, I, I really like that we're including and nominating those, those serious ones alongside some of the kind of more comic. Yeah, because I think, I think that's like we said at the top of the show, you know, that, that how we view disrespect in this, through this sense, isn't the only way. Yeah. And other people will have far more lighthearted versions and other people tactical and all of this kind of stuff. And that's all good. I mean, for those of you who haven't seen it, I would massively recommend watching the 30 for 30 doc, the two Escobars. It's absolutely brilliant. But also from a footballing sense, I think this is the thing about Andres Escobar, his death overshadows just how good he was. Yeah. Because brilliant. that's what people talk about. They don't talk about, and that's the thing that's so sad for me is that you, a player is not only robbed of their life, they're also robbed of their footballing legacy because he was wonderful to watch. A really, really elegant, beautiful centre-back. From all accounts, obviously I didn't know him and I'm not aware of if there is anything in, in his personal life, but from all accounts, a really gentle soul, a really lovely guy, try to change Colombia's image publicly and really be quite positive about Colombia, try and 
use football to portray a positive view of Colombia. And then that happened to him. And a gorgeous team. What a beautiful team they were to watch. Lovely team. The qualifier actually um, was at the 5-0 in, ni- in 93 mm. when um, Colombia beat Argentina. And they were just spectacular. And then Pele, yeah. <laughs> ill-fated tip to win the whole tournament. But um, Yeah, and what that, yeah. what that squad went through together, you know, families being kidnapped or families being held hostage and all of this kind of stuff whilst they're at tournaments. The massive turmoil that was going on in their home country. It's so, so sad that we never got to see him at somewhere like Milan. Right. At the time, a mid-90s Milan side. Oh my goodness. Andres Escobar in it, I just think would have been the most beautiful thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, just the whole thing together. So he's one of my shouts. That's a a superb shout. Um, I'd put another shout in. um, I'd put a shout in for Steve Bruce. Oh, I like this. Just for never having played for England. I like this. With that, you know, that, and not just... It wasn't just that he was, he won so much for United, but he was pivotal for United. Yeah. Pivotal in their first championship in 25 years, I think it was, scored those two-headed goals against Sheffield Wednesday to drag United back into this sort of title contention or to keep them in it. Steve Bruce, just unbelievable. And also the disrespect has continued into his managerial career, which oh, is so interesting. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Like, so just, he just got that star over him. The star of disrespect has been over him for a while. Um, so yeah, shout out to Steve Bruce. And they, they could play a bit. This thing, this team can play. Like if you look at all of them so far, they, these are footballers. I mean, this team could hurt someone. This team like so far, like Ashley Cole left back. Mm. Escobar will say centre back, maybe Bruce, depending on your pick. Barbosa in goal, that is. Do you know what I think about Steve Bruce? I actually think if he came through now, I think he'd play for England. Be picked ahead of Harry Maguire, that's for sure. He was never the, the most naturally gifted mm. centre back. Yeah. I think he would probably play for England now. I think very steady, good passer of the ball. Yeah. I wonder maybe that back then, you know, where the centre-backs were seen as like big leaders and like tough men and big men and all this stuff, which Steve Bruce was as well. You know, he was not, he was no slouch. I mean, look at his nose. Yeah. Like yeah. that is a man who has put his, put his body on the line. In, it was going uh, through a strange a time though. The, the national team's going through a strange time. Like didn't qualify for the World Cup in 94 yeah. and yeah, very yeah. disjointed. I mean, yeah. Um, I think he's. I think that's a great shout, Steve Bruce, and definitely because it's continued on into the managerial career. So we go with uh, Bruce and Escobar centre back. I think that's a really good shout. My other nominees were. <laughs> I, I've got one. I know. I know who you went for. Who? Gus Caesar. I didn't go for Gus Caesar. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. You went for Gus Caesar. I didn't, but I had him scribbled down as I thought he'd be an interesting symbolic choice, just to remind people that actually it, professional footballers are really good. Yeah. they're really yeah. good actually yeah. and we're really really brutal and we're like oh this person couldn't like kick a stationary car tire well actually yeah like they're unbelievable these players and Caesar got a really hard time so he was more of a symbolic choice for me he wasn't one of my nominees but I thought I'd have him down the other one I had was Pepe okay no I, I like you know it's so funny I actually nearly scribbled Pepe down I don't think Pepe gets the credit he deserves for as his a footballer. Ability. No, yeah. I agree. I agree. No, no, I completely agree with that. I think that's, you know what? I actually happily have Pepe on the bench as a centre-back ahead of Brown because I think that Pepe was extraordinary, is extraordinary. Love that shout. So there are two centre-backs. Let's do right back and then we'll go for a break. Mycon. Mycon. Yeah, Mycon. Wow. Mycon. Okay, what's Mycon most famous for? Most people... If you say immediately, most of them will not say the treble at Inter, where he was extraordinary. They will say Gareth Bale taking him to the cleaners over two legs. And they will say the 7-1, which he was only playing because Danny Alves gets injured just before. Like, mm-hmm. And so Mykon, wrong place, wrong time. You know, he was there during his descent and Gareth Bale's ascent. So no one had actually seen Bale explode onto the scene, right? He hadn't exploded until that game when he basically takes them for a hat-trick at the San Siro. And Mycon was the unfortunate recipient of that smoke. And ha- frankly, very few right-backs in the world could have handled that smoke. Um, and Mycon had been playing flat out at that point. Like he'd been like playing relentlessly. Like he was a full part of that treble season. And the 7-1 was a collective failure. And actually most of the failures came through the centre of that field. Mm. But it wasn't the full-backs who were to blame. It was set-pieces, corners, and the centre of defence. But Mycon carried the can because he was part of the team. And he's associated with those two iconic moments in recent European football. So he's disrespected. Like he is one of the best right backs that world football has produced. 
he's unbelievable, but he doesn't get the props. It's not like, wow, Mycon. It's like, haha, Mycon. And that's like, that's disrespectful. I like that. The only real person I could think of, and it's a bit of a weird one, this, but it's more of a personal one, is that just I never, ever hear anyone talk about him. Willie Sanyol. Hey, I, you know what's so funny? I thought of Sanyol today as well. So funny. No one ever talks about this guy. And yeah. also, he didn't go to France 98. Now, there are big reasons here, right? At the time, Lillian Turam was playing right back for France. And it is what it is. I don't care if Leo Messi was a right back. You're not getting in over Lillian Turam in that French side. Sorry, Leo. But listen to like Willy Sagnol, Ligue 1 in France with Monaco, five Bundesligas, four Pokals, Champions League, Intercontinental Cup, two Confed Cups. And he never, ever, ever comes up in conversation as a not even the best left right back of all time, which he's not. And I'm not saying that he is. But he's never in any conversation. But here's the thing, though. Here's the thing about the right back. It's arguably the most disrespected position of all time. Disrespected as in the goalkeepers, at least goalkeepers get attention. But right backs, they're off the grid. Can I be brutal? If I was representing, if I was a lawyer representing a supervillain, I would say hide at right back for a Premier League club because no one will see you. Mm. You'll get away with it. You can hide in plain sight because... It's so often they get overlooked. Even when you're composing teams of like greatest, look at like Mauro Tussotti at AC Milan, right? Mm. How many people like talk about Tussotti as a player? It's just yeah. one of those positions where for some reason, I think that's to do with this, you know, in, in, its, in its recent incarnation, you know, you had Fichetti back then, you know, the, the, the overlapping right back is not a new phenomenon, but I think only in the recent incarnation has it become a role that's remotely mm-hmm. sexy, right? Mm. And for a, for a long time, it was a functional position. Hey, sexy right back. Hey, well, no, it's the thing. Now, oh my God, now. That's a, a great band back. name, the sexy right back. Oh my God, now. <laughs> no, but it kind of needs like Trent Alexander-Arnold and the sexy right back. It's kind of like a <laughs> Terence Trent right back. No, it's like. A- <laughs> oh, Musa, sorry, you're out of control. Sorry, sorry. Come and get your boy. Sorry. <laughs> Whoever it is. I'm out of control. There's not one. There's no one. To be honest with you, I mean, like now a fullback is a really cool thing. Oh, like, yeah. look, Alfonso Davies, it's like, that's the place. Oh yeah, I'm a right back. Like actually, you're actually cooler than a forward in some cases. Oh, I'm a left back for Bayern. That's such a gangster thing. To say. I'm a left back for Bayern. That's so cool. Yeah, man. If Outcast dropped like the love below now, it'd be cool. like, what's cooler than being cool? A right back. Right back. Right back. <laughs> <laughs> I said, what's cooler than being cool? A right back. Right back. <laughs> That's all right, all right, all right. So he even says all right, it. All right, all right, all right. All right. He's actually saying, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right, back. Hold your man. Hey, yeah. Should we go to a break? Let's do it. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, back from the break. Are we going to do a formation change? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll do a formation are gonna, change. Are we going to be cheeky? Yes. Um, are we going to be Tinker Men? Yes, Tinker Men. Tinker Taylor Soldier Eye. <laughs> Oh, look at all the aliens. I'm, I am jealous now. So we're going to do a four, three, one, two. Yeah. And that is because originally it was going to be two wide forwards. And I suddenly thought, hang on a minute. If there's any footballer that gets their props, maybe too much or disproportionately, it's the wide forward. You can get away with so much. You can basically mail it in for most of the season, have a couple of great games in the late stages and you're a god. Ironically, the, the, the wingers are the front men of football teams they are they're oh my goodness it's so true yeah they are the front men you know if we think of the the, the wingers that are underrated you think of someone like Echeverria mm. and why was he underrated because he was really hard working like yeah. just extremely industrious and no flash or you have like Real Madrid like you know, have Gento who wasn't I mean he oh, was Gento, beautiful Gento nearly went on my list you know beautiful player but that's maybe also because it was just so long ago but Gento even within that team yeah. was overshadowed. Um, doesn't he have the record for the most amount of individual European Cup medals, I think? I think he's on the most. So it's, 
Yeah, wingers get their props and that's why they're not in his team because they are, they're actually an over-respected position. <laughs> they are, they are. So we're going to go with a 4-3-1-2 because a lot of 10s have been disrespected over time. Yep. Can I go um, first? Yeah, please, please go first. I would like to throw out a player who I think was one of La Liga's top performers for almost a decade. We mention him a lot because I think that we have a soft spot for him. Never played for Spain. And that's Gabby. Gabby. Gabby, brilliant. I love it. I love it. I think Gabby is someone who, again, is never going to come up in that conversation. And I think there's something, obviously that Spain midfield was stacked, but I just cannot believe that Gabby never got capped for Spain. Gabby was extraordinary. You know, he was almost in his way out at Atleti. At Atleti, he was having, yeah. he was struggling. And then Simeone came in and was like, you're going nowhere. Yeah. And he was so, it, like, I don't think that Atleti side becomes what it becomes without Gabby. No, because not even he close. Kept it all, he kept it all in check. Do you know what it's like? That, that, I mean, uh, we actually referred to Real Madrid once as being, you know, like, uh, I think we were talking about Chernobyl. And that bit in Chernobyl where it's like, you have to keep it all balanced, super yes, finely balanced. Yes, yes. That's actually what that Atleti side was because if they, f- they strayed too much into wilding out territory, they'd lose control of games. And Gabby was the guy who I think really kept them. You know, he was, he was the electromagnet. Check. He was the electromagnet. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just, everything was there. You know, that's going to be, you know, we need to find what, you know, we need to find a fancy word, another language for electromagnet <laughs> and then use that to describe that position. Yes. Just do it in Google Translate. Did you, did you ever see that that thing that went around on the internet where someone was just like typing in coronavirus into Google Translate and it was just and then French and it was just like coronavirus. Of course the, <laughs> the French sexy coronavirus. <laughs> the, the French French is a terrible language because it makes you <laughs> it sounds so nice. It makes the worst things sound so sexy. It does, absolutely, exactly, exactly. So are we going with Gabby? Is Gabby getting? I love that show. I love that. All right. That's so we brilliant. Need, we need two other midfielders. Fernando Redondo. He's on my list as well. <laughs> yeah. Drink, drink, drink. <laughs> Oh, I love it when a plan comes together. Yeah. Redondo's going in, man. He has to go in. 29 caps for Argentina. <laughs> wow. 29 caps for Argentina. And still, actually, if you talk about great defensive midfielders, Redondo still doesn't come up that much. No. Try and find Real Madrid play against Borussia Dortmund and it's a semi-final I think it's the 98 Champions League and he is mind-blowing it's 2-0 from the first leg and he plays nil, it's 0-0 nil, nil the Westfalen Stadion and it's windy as hell mm. and Redondo shuts down the entire thing he had the first touch of an elite centre forward yep. and the strength of a centre back and had the spatial awareness of, of Chavi like he's one of the few players if he could you could have put him in that Barca 2011 team he would have belonged in there. There was a story about they play one touch in the 94 World Cup in the training camp and you just hear his name shouted out like, and, and Maradona would look at him as kind of my go-to guy. You know that thing where you said about how Messi trusts certain people? Yeah. He was the Di Maria. You know, like to, Maradona, to, to, uh, Messi's, uh, to Maradona's Messi. They had that symbiotic relationship and all what they call, they call in the US, amazing phrase, not an all-star talent, an all-world talent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Two La Ligas, Serie A, Coppa Italia, Intercontinental Cup, three Champions Leagues. And gave his salary back to Milan because he was injured and didn't feel he deserved it. My I heart. haven't even mentioned the Confed Cup and the Copa America that he won with Argentina. My heart. He is a brilliant guy. And disrespected for his politics, actually, because... The, the, the argument, the story was, there was a story about how he didn't cut his hair and he wasn't the team for that reason. But the deeper underlying thing was like basically political differences because he was seen as a kind of lefty intellectual. Yeah. Well, he's a big yeah. reader. So yeah. interesting. Yeah. Remember when he came, he said that like Marquez was one of his favorite authors. I love or something that. like that. So perfect. Um, so yeah. Perfect. He's absolutely in there, man. Redondo. Fernando, if you're listening to this podcast. Um, Come join us. Yeah. The dark side. Come join us the dark side. Come to Stadio. Fernando, come to Stadio. <laughs> we'll appreciate you. <laughs> if Stadio was a national team, that guy'd have 100 caps. The Democratic Republic of Stadio. <laughs> oh my goodness, don't start another cult. We've got enough of that. <laughs> <laughs> I'd just be like, the flag would just have a number eight on it. Oh my God, that's perfect. If a Stadio was a country, 
fully open borders. It would be fully open borders. Thank you, Liz. Renewable energy. Renewable, Renewable listen, energy. A. Energy energy crew. Full water power. <laughs> it wouldn't be the part of energy. It'd be the energy crew. It would have to be that. <laughs> All right, let's get this. Uh, I'm going to go Gabby and get this shit back on track. Let's do it. The other guy that I thought of was Wolfgang Overath. Oh, that. Do you know what? I like that a lot. And the reason that I thought about this is because one club guy played at Köln his entire life. He won two Pokals in the Bundesliga for Köln. One of their only two Bundesliga titles. The, the other one came the year after he left, the year after he retired, actually. But also, he was in the 74 World Cup squad and named as one of the players of the tournament. He was in the All-Star team. But never really comes up in the conversation of being one of the players from that tournament. But that's fair because that entire team was, um, in, a, in a sense, disrespected. Uh, I, um, at, the, at, the be- at the beginning, they were, they, in terms of... Yes and no. I think that there are some players in that team who, get, who just get the love. I mean, obviously you have Gerd Müller and you have Franz Beckenbauer and therefore but by it's West very, easy. It's but, very but, easy to get. But even, even Uli Hernes gets more of a mention, really, for that squad. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. And, and I thought he was just a bit, he was just someone who I think... He, Again, one of these players maybe not disrespected because I just don't think he comes up in conversation enough to be disrespected. But he was someone that I wanted to shout out anyways, an option potentially for a bench spot. But I'm not, no, I'm not entirely sure he's, he's nailed down for a starting role. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. That's very fair. Um, I put Rakitic actually there. Oh. I think Rakitic has to go in there. Oh, Musa, this is such a great shout. Because I think Rakitic is disrespected for both Croatia and Barcelona. Yes. Look at Croatia, right? And Modric gets all the props in 2018. Rakitic scores the winning penalty in two straight shootouts. Yep. Holds down midfield. Modric had a couple of dodgy halves. Rakitic kept it at 100. Threw out. Like, was just the go-to guy. Was just there. Would always never hit. Barca never. gets the 2015. Steps into Xavi's boots when they're still warm. With Xavi still in the clubhouse. And does an incredible job. Knits together the midfield, comes into a complex attacking system, having played in different tactical positions his whole career, has played as a 10, has played as an eight, comes in and plays as a six for some of the time, or, you know, or virtually in between, and just slots in and is mind-blowingly good. Mind-blowing, lights out, brilliant, scores the opener in 2015 Champions League final, you know, helps nail the treble down. Unbelievable. And then gets torn to pieces on social media for much of the rest of his time at Barca, simply because his legs fail him. Like, and what, did, what did we say about Rakitic once? His biggest crime was that he wasn't Javi Hernandez. Absolutely that. Absolutely that. And I think, you know, Rakitic just totally underrated. And no, 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 disrespected, sorry. Disrespected. Yeah, I, I think both, actually. Oh man, like, unbelievable yeah, I'm, I'm taking an executive decision and putting him straight in. And that midfield, that midfield, Rakitic, Gabby, Redondo, no one's, nobody wants any parts of that. Dude, no one wants any part of this team. No one wants any part, this team, oh my goodness, this team's going to eat. This team's going to feast. (laughs) This is actually, this is, I'd love to watch this team. I'd love to watch them break up play and counter. I'd love to play them, watch them play on the front foot. They could do it Mm -hmm. all. We need a number 10. Oh my goodness, for me, it's clear who that is. Go on. Juan Roman Riquelme. Oh, I disagree. He's got to be my guy because the way he was treated in Europe by Van Hal, a player of that talent and just hung out to dry constantly, carrying the can when they don't, like doesn't quite click for them uh, in the World, at the World Cup and like carries the can for that as well. And like with slight adjustments, the guy could have run world football. I think he's romanticized, but I'm not sure he's fully respected like as a devastating, he was seen as an ornament and not really someone that was a cent. I mean, like Villarreal was his best run in Europe and he got his props, you know, that when he won against Real in the World Club Cup, that was like, okay, that was, that was the most, you know, that if I've ever seen a major performance so dripping with the aura of someone disrespected, it was like he made that his journey to go and just tap dance all over. It was like Jack Grealish against, against uh, Liverpool. Mm. The same energy. That's a really interesting shout. I hadn't even thought of Raquel May, to be honest. So that's why I put him there. Maybe because I respect him so much. Yeah, but that, that, he's my shout for that. But who would you? Although I'm disproving that with my actual shout. And this, I, God, please don't at me. <laughs> I think there's a case to be made for Meza Ozil. I'll hear that case. In this team? Yeah. 
with this, yeah, this configuration? Because I cannot remember a player in the modern era who has made me feel the way that Meza Ozil has playing football. And yet the conversation around him is so extreme in both directions. I don't want to sound like, hey guys, we've got to hear both sides. Mm. I'm a football eccentrist. <laughs> <laughs> so much like for different reasons that a number of my, my selections have made it in here, the case of Mesut Ozil now just makes me sad. Yes. And I think that's a real shame because I think back to transfer deadline day 2013 when Mesut Ozil signed for Arsenal. It was the first time since Burkamp that it felt like Arsenal had made a seismic signing of that level. Because even when Thierry Henry signed for Arsenal, he wasn't coming in as the Thierry Henry that he became. No, no, no. There wasn't a huge amount of fanfare about Thierry Henry when he came in. But Meza Ozil is one of the... And I'm really sorry to everyone who just doesn't like Meza Ozil at all here and is just like, shut up, Ryan. But I really have to plead my case here because I've said this often before that I think so much of what he does, in addition to his ability, is just the right thing to do in the right moment and goes so unnoticed because of that. But at that time, it was absolutely the right thing to do. But when he needed to do something, he could do it. And I think back to his first goal for Arsenal against Napoli at home. Aaron Ramsey breaks down the right to the byline, cuts it yes. back. Meza Ozil comes in on the edge of the box. The ball cutting across his body, side foots it. Unbelievable. Curls away from Reina. It is one of the most smooth, beautiful finishes of a football I've seen. And the thing that I think makes him so disrespected is the fact that he's probably still Arsenal's most creatively gifted player. And he's not in. I don't see how that's even close. He is not eligible to play for Arsenal this season because he's been left out of the squad. And the thing that comes with that is that decisions that have been made by the club in terms of giving him contracts or things that have been outside of his control have been used as a debate or a reason to attack him. And I don't think that's fair. Look, he has a, in terms of a football brain, it is, you couldn't put Kevin De Bruyne above him in terms of football intelligence. You can't. Like he, he is as intelligent at football as has played in the final third in the world for the last 10, 15 years. As yep. intelligent. And I still cannot believe that Real Madrid sold him. No. I still cannot believe they sold him because that was a signing that did not make, it wasn't worth the 43 million for Real and it wasn't worth it for Ozil. I don't think it was worth it for either party. I know they to, Real went on and won and Real carry on winning, but I just felt like that team, and Mourinho said it best, Mourinho said it, this guy could be the number 10 for Real Madrid for 10 years. Yep. And I, and don't, I think he still would be, actually. Yeah, yeah. He was unbelievable. I think he still is unbelievable, actually. And I think and it, that it's just this like, team, such a shame. Yeah. And I think because you also have like the real stands there as well, who I think the, the two extremes antagonise each other to such a point that you're never actually going to be able to have a genuine football debate about Meza Ozil anymore because there has been so much noise mm. about so many different things. The player has forgotten. Yes, that's the thing. And that to me is the biggest sign of disrespect where the player has been forgotten. Yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. But I don't think he'll be romanticised or become the cult figure that Raquel May has which I think is why Raquel May, for me... Has got his props. He's got his, like, he's got his Libertadores. That's the thing. He does, what, he want two or three Libertadores? Yeah, but the thing is, if you, right, the thing is, put it this way, Musa. If you said one of my favourite all-time players is Juan Roman Raquel May, not right. one single person that you say that to will look at you and be like, what are you talking about? No fair play. If fair you play. say one of my favourite all-time players is Meza Ozil, some people would be like, hmm, not sure this guy knows what he's talking about. Yeah, no, fair enough. That's fair. It's very fair. Um, I'd put Raquel May on the bench, personally. That's fine. Yeah. Three Copa Libertadores. I mean, like, Raquel May got his flowers. He got his flowers. That's cool. That works for me. So we've got our midfield diamond, essentially. Yeah. Of Gabby, Ivan Rakitic, Fernando Redondo as the three. Redondo's the deepest. I would have Redondo as the deepest and have Gabby Shuttling because he could do that too. And then Meza Ozil as number 10. Yeah. I like this. Let's take a break and then we'll come back and do our strikers. Let's do it. All right, man, back from the break, final part of the show. Enjoying this. I can already feel, I can feel the heat, man. I can feel the heat coming <laughs> Okay. Should I put an out of office on for the study email? Uh, they're going to find, they'll find us. They'll find us anyway. They always find <laughs> us. Strikers, who you got? 
Okay, so let's name both of them. Yeah, let's do it. Let's just do the whole okay. thing. Okay, strikers, Mario Jardel and Darko Panchev. Oh. Red star, red star, red star. Okay, so Mario Jardel, because he was amazing at Porto. And there's something to be said here about the leagues they played in. The disrespect, because people are like, oh, they scored, you know, Jardel scored so many goals mm-hmm. in Portugal. Actually scored loads in Galatasaray. But it's most remembered in the kind of public consciousness for being out of shape at Bolton, yeah. you know? And it was just like, Jardel's one of the best to ever do it and only played 10 times for Brazil. I know, which is so weird. I mean, right, right. timing, I mean, right? Yeah, timing. Yeah, because considering who they had, they had extraordinary players there. But you still feel they could have given him some extra friendlies here and there. And then you've got Darko Panchev at Red Star, who was extraordinary, who scored the winning penalty in the shootout, went to Inter, didn't fully work out. And people were like, oh, he's not that good. Well, a lot of people did not work out at Inter at that time. Dennis Berg hadn't had the best time at Inter. Inter wasn't a great place. In fact, if you were an agent sending a forward to Inter in the early 90s onwards, have a word with yourself. Yeah. Because that, that was a disjointed, you could argue until Ronaldo came and just sewed the whole thing together, it was too chaotic for someone to thrive there. And Panchev didn't get his props. He's the Serbian equivalent of Garolinica or Aguero and was unbelievable on the counterattack. So yeah, Darko Panchev and, and Jardel are my guys up front. You don't want to mention uh, Jardel's venture into politics. No, I don't, I don't want to go there. <laughs> I was going to say, he did some disrespect in himself. Yeah, you know? <laughs> I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> All right, my shout. So my first shout is Samuel Eto'o. I love that. And my reasoning is that... Yes, that's incredible. If you are at a football club and someone says, we want Zlatan Ibrahimovic and we're going to pay you over 60 million euros and we're going to give you Samuel Eto'o in 2009, I would be like, what are you doing right now? That transfer is one of the most disrespectful transfers in the history of football. Of sport. Of yeah. sport. Of sport. And you're com- the, the, I love that you've mentioned, you know what, I think this is actually, I mean, I would put Eto'o in, yes, Eto'o has to go in. The most disrespectful treatment for those, I mean, I've told a thousand people about this, but you have to watch the Samuel Etu interview on French TV when he talks about his relationship with Guardiola. It is incredible. Put it's- some respect on this man's damn name. Oh, one of the greatest African strikers. No, one of the greatest strikers of all time, period. I mean, he is the greatest African striker ever for it. It's not even in doubt, I don't think. Not close. And, and he's one, one of the, the all-time striker. greatest strikers ever. Yes, absolutely. Back-to-back trebles. Back-to-back back to back trebles. trebles. Disrespected. <laughs> it's absolutely... Two African Cup of Nations. Inexcusable. And you say, we'll take Zlatan, we'll give you Etu, and we'll give you over 60 million euros. Are you kidding it's me? unbelievable. Are you it's, kidding me? It's unreal. I'm so sorry to any Zlatan stands out there, but you will have yeah. to go a long way to find a transfer that is more disrespectful than that. You know, it's so funny about it. Imagine how salty the conversations would have been in boardrooms and bars across Barcelona for the entire season, watching Etu just advance the Champions League, thinking, what have we done? The salt. Do you want to put even more salt on it? Always welcome. More salt was always welcome. They valued Etu in the deal at 20 million euros. Oh my God. The supreme disrespect. They were asking for it. Do you know what? You know, I reckon, I reckon, you know, here's a funny thing. The Volcano is probably an Etu fan. Oh, really? Oh, 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 really? You valued him at how much? It was actually really? the Volcano found it out. Erupted. It was horrible. The Volcano found out about that deal and was just like, what? And that's actually how it, how it erupted. Do you know what? That's, the Volcano is basically what happens when nature, when Mother Nature has a comment section. Yeah. That's like a subreddit. That's like a geological subreddit going off. Yeah. The, <laughs> what? <laughs> the volcano's a Barca fan. It's like <laughs> the other two honourable mentions that I have. I mean, Oli Giroud's got got to be in for a shout. He does have to be in for a shout. He because, does. He does. Again, much like we said, Rakitic's biggest crime was that he wasn't Javi Hernandez. Olivier Giroud's biggest crime was that he wasn't Robin van Persie. And if yes. you think about it, the only place he's actually got respect is France for the French national side. 
Yeah, he's, and that's also- he's basically been at two clubs since 2012 who have just been constantly trying to replace him. Yeah. Let him be. And I actually put Karim Benzema in there as well because of the France thing. But I think actually Karim Benzema, I don't think is disrespected. And the, the France snub isn't to do with his ability. Obviously, I think he's actually, we all I know think, why. We all know think, why. Yeah, I think Benzema, weirdly enough, is respected just the right amount. I, I do. Think, I think I he's do. perfectly, perfectly balanced. I think if he hadn't got into all of that shit with the national side that we won't go into on here, if he doesn't do that, he's still playing for France. Yeah, that's he's right. He's still leading the line for France. Yeah, because he led them in 2014. Exactly. Who should we put in? Come on, coach. I would put Eto and Panchev in there. I'm down with that. Because I think, I th- I think the Giroud gets his flowers. I think he gets his props. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Like he's yeah. got that World Cup, but... I, I agree with that. Too many people talk about Giroud with too much love still. I think to, that's for right. To be fully disrespected. I think Etu has to be there. Etu has to be there. Yeah. Do we have I, a manager for this? We will do. Um, we need to pick subs. I mean, the subs so are far pretty- I've So far I've got on the bench, Sebastiano Rossi, Pepe, Raquel May and Wolfgang Overat. I put Paolo Montero in there. Paolo Montero. I put also another sub I want to put in as well. Yep. Gerson. Thank you. Because. Yes. I wrote him further down my list. Gerson has to go on there. Gerson has Gerson to go on there. Gerson absolutely has to go on there. Ran the 1970 World Cup. Yep. Sacrificed himself. Yep. For many players, including Pelé. And then when Pelé gets to name his like greatest players, doesn't name Gerson. And what does Gerson say? I respect his opinion, but I don't agree. Apart from yeah. Zidane, Platini and Fontaine, I'm behind 11 Frenchmen. It's a joke to hear this. It's a joke. It was a joke. And it was a really about Pelé trying to do that thing where he elevates himself above everyone else as the only legend for that generation, which is what Pelé does. Uh, we need one more, one more sub. Glenn Hoddle. You know what? I really love that shout. I'm really angry at myself that I didn't include him, actually. There are international teams that have built World Cup winning sides around Glenn Hoddle. Mm. They've literally been like, it's Glenn, and then we work around him. I love that. I love that shout. Magical player. And in a culture that didn't fully trust or understand what he was doing. No, I'm really glad you mentioned that because I think uh, he is someone who is one of England's all-time greats. All-time greats. Massively underrated as England manager as well, I believe. Um, and probably disrespected because of the stuff that he came out with, I think tarnished his reputation football-wise. Yeah. And my manager? Yes, let's talk managers. All right, we need to find a manager. I mean, there's only one. Go on. Sir Bobby Robson. Oh, Musa. The most disrespected football manager. Of all time. Of all time. Of all time. I don't even want to give you my other suggestions because of that. Glorious at Ipswich. Kind and inspirational, gentlemanly at England. Worked with such a complex range of personalities, fragile personalities. Mm. How many managers have had to work with someone like Paul Gascoigne, such a finely tuned person? And he loved Paul Gascoigne and he wanted him to succeed so badly. Whereas a lot of managers would have just been like, be gone. And Gascoigne rewarded him. Yeah. And could have, could have, with a fairer shake of the wind, have won two World Cups for England. And here's the thing, if he'd done that, the country would not have deserved either of them because the country, on the whole, or the media at least, did not deserve Bobby Robson. They didn't deserve him. And I think that as a society, we take some responsibility because we can say the media this, the media that, but people buy those papers. And they bought those papers and they were tearing into him. And this was a good, decent human being who did beautiful things and was beloved. And in a funny thing, like Bobby Robson probably beloved more abroad while he was alive than when, when he died, of course, the outpourings came. Mm. But on the whole, beloved more abroad, I think, than in the UK. That video when he's talking to Gary Lineker, he was like, we were so close. We were so oh, close. They were as well, man. God, I guess, so- I don't want to, I get really emotional talking about Bobby Robson. Yeah. He's my guy. I can't argue with that at all. I'm so glad you mentioned that, man. Gotta be Sir Bobby. Much respect. So let's read through our disrespected 11. Barbosa in goal. Yep. 
Ashley Cole, left back. Absolutely. Steve Bruce. Yes. Andres Escobar. Yes, yes. Mycon. My goodness. Redondo. Drink. Flanked by Gabby and Rakitic. <laughs> it's wild. Meza Ozil in front of them. My goodness. Behind Panchev and Samueletu. That team, that team wins a Champions League right now. That team beats Bayern. Wow. That team beats this Bayern. I'm right? surprised you haven't done that. That's two straight Champions Leagues. That's usually... That is, 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 <laughs> straight, yeah, yeah. Two straight, <laughs> <laughs> but that team, actually, you look at it, it's stunning. But can stunning we look team. at our bench? Sebastiano Rossi, Pepe, Raquel May, Palo Montero, Wolfgang Overat, Gerson, and Glenn Hoddle, managed by Sir Bobby Robson. If someone simulates that team, if someone puts that team into like FIFA Legends or whatever, wow. Oh man, that was really fun. That was great. Do you know what? That was mentally very, very challenging, but it was so rewarding. Let's do a follow-up to that when we'll read out some of our favourite 11s. Email us your disrespected 11s. Because you know people have got them. You know Yeah, them. definitely. And like, like we said at the start of the show, like there'll, there'll definitely be some people that we've completely overlooked there. Absolutely, yeah. And also people's interpretations of disrespect, you know, I think that's a good to know. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, stadiofootballgmail.com. Send us your disrespected 11s. If you want to go subs and a manager, go for it. Great times, great work. You know what? That was a real pleasure. We haven't done one of those for a while. It felt nice. Should we get out of here? Yeah, let's duck out. Let's duck out. Uh, we hope everyone's staying safe and well. And thanks to everyone who's got in touch recently about stuff. Don't forget, you can check us on Twitter at Stadio on Instagram at Stadio Football. The website is stadio.football. It's currently down at the moment. It should be up this week. Uh, don't forget to check the ringer.com forward slash soccer for Moose's piece this week. I've got a piece going up next week. And any other admin before we bounce? Uh, Stadio Sessions Friday. Come join uh, us. Um, check the Twitter for all the info. Send us your favourite bits of commentary via YouTube clip. Oh God, there's, there's something. Oh yeah. Um, stay hydrated. Stay <laughs> 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 I think we both know who's the most disrespected member of this podcast. <laughs> We're playing out on a big one this week. We're playing out on Lee Scratch Perry, Untitled Rhythm. Have a great weekend, everyone. And we'll be back on Monday. And come join us for Stadio Sessions. See you soon.